Greetings, wrestling fans, and welcome to another edition of the Ragin' Rundown, where the Ragin' Marks get together and talk about what's the hot topics in the world of wrestling news. I'm one of your hosts, Ravishing Randy, joined across the table by my good friend TNK. What's up, buddy? What's going, Randy? Ah, not so much, man. Tell you what, man, we also got a moderator here just looking up some stuff. Rampage Ramsey doing his thing. But uh, I did want to... The news is there's no news yet about Dark Side of the Ring next season. Oh, season four. Yeah, they did. That actually is kind of an update. Thank you for that update. I was curious on that one. But, dude, this week's news stories, we don't have a lot of them, but damn, were they big. I mean, yeah, no, big ones. I mean, <clears throat> one of the one of the biggest ones kind of going into the weekend. I mean, Friday night, Big <clears throat> E uh, suffering uh, a broken neck um, on SmackDown. Uh, basically, uh, Ridge Holland did a suplex on the outside of the ring. Belly to belly, su- yeah. belly, belly suplex. Belly to belly. Big E didn't get enough rotation. Basically got spiked on his head. Uh, basically fractured two vertebrae in his neck. Uh, well, not two. It was, it was C4, two. It or was C1 and the C6. It was a C1 and the C6. Uh, God, man, Big E, like, I was never the biggest Big E fan, but God damn it, man, I, just the, the, the attitude, the positivity he's had, and the way he's taken this is, like, you just love the guy, man. Dude, like, just the, the fact, like, seeing him getting stretchered out, Oh God! My scary heart broke, moment, yeah. and like you know, just again, like you know, like bad things happening to good people. You, you never want to see that because, dude, I don't want to see that happen to anybody. You don't want to see it happen to anybody, but especially a dude like Big E, who is just so giving of himself to the fans. Yeah, like just one of the nicest individuals you could ever meet. I mean, mm-hmm. any interaction that that people have with him, it's almost always a positive interaction. You yeah. know. And, like, you know, the whole power of positivity thing. Like, Big E just beamed positivity. You know, just a very happy-go-lucky guy. Um, you know, definitely could turn a frown upside down on anybody's face. But, you know, to, to then have this happen, it was so good, though, that he it didn't take him long while he was at the hospital to, to go on Twitter, post up, like, a, like a 30, 40-second video just to be like, hey, y'all, love you, thank you for all the love and support. He's like, I can still move my arms, I can move my fingers, and you know, he's basically sitting there showing you like, hey, I'm I'm good, all things considering. Mm-hmm. I broke my neck, but you know, eh, hey, I mean, it was it was great that he was able to reach out to people, let them know, hey, I'm good. But I mean, fracturing your C1 and your C6 is no joke. Um, I know that uh, doctor um, who deals with a lot of uh, NFL. Uh, yeah, it was uh, came out Dr. And, Dave Richow just kind of talked about the significance of that, man. I mean, luckily he won't need surgery, which is a big thing. Basically, like I know for the C6 and even in, the, in this case the C1, like doesn't require surgery, which is good. But he's basically going to be motionless for a couple of months. Yeah, like, it was no damage to the spinal cord itself. There's no ligament damage and he doesn't need surgery. So, I mean, that is... A good news right there but to your point especially what the doctor said who handles a lot of nfl injuries that c1 fracture is the most dangerous like this is his quote that he said the c1 fracture is the most dangerous as the top cervical vertebrae is a ring and it is commonly associated with immediate death or complete paralysis 
you know, thankfully for Big E, the fracture was not displaced and he will not need surgery. However, this type of fracture often heals incompletely and it may mean the end of his wrestling career. So that is the... And the, and the, the whole thing, the, the whole thing that kind of sucks about this is basically Big E is going to be in limbo for the next like three to four months, really, because it's like I said, he, he's got to be stationary for a while. To, to let things kind of heal and fuse back together. But even then, he's not going to know the full diagnosis until about three, four months from now, whether, like, again, with the C1, if it, if it healed properly or even if it if it doesn't heal properly, he's not going to know that for months. Well, I mean, so. Stone Cold, you know, had a, you know, I don't know the exact vertebrae he damaged, but I'm pretty sure it was definitely the C freaking one. I mean, he went limp in the ring. He changed up his complete style, so Big E was just going to have to do some changing up of his styles. A lot of guys had neck injuries out for a year. Edge was one of them. He had a very long, was out for a year. Um, you know, I was going to say Chris Benoit, but he had a very severe neck injury. Took him out for a year. It's usually a year injury. And uh, I know McIntyre had a neck injury. I don't know the extent of what it was, mm -hmm. but your C1, man, it... It could be his end of his career. I do see him coming back, but he's gonna have to have a very limited style. He might take away that like spinning dive that he does through the second rope. That's yeah, be yeah, no, that not, not immediately. Oh, Daniel, oh, uh, Brian Danielson, you know, his neck injury, man. So mm -hmm. he has to change his style as well. <coughs> but I mean, things. but I mean, Danielson even still like, especially now in AEW, he takes more risks than he was in but WWE. Like, but he's also he knows his his capabilities. He knows what he can. Yeah, like do. when he does those kicks in the corner, he does changes the way he lands. He makes it much more safer, and he doesn't do, obviously do the flying headbutt anymore. So, um, yeah, Biggie, man, my heart goes out to him. I hope he makes a full recovery and comes back within. I think it's going to be at least. They said four to six months. I see it longer, personally. I mean, I, look, whether this is the end of his career or, you know, he's able to heal miraculously and make the comeback and, you know, whatever, just however long it takes, I wish him well. I hope he makes a, a speedy but efficient re recovery. And what makes this and, even more difficult was that Xavier Woods has been coming back on the house shows they were mm -hmm. planning to do a reunion of the new day versus you know Seamus, rich holland and butch which you know don't even get me started on that uh although we could yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, that actually that that we, is a new story we can <laughs> definitely talk about that pete dunn has made his uh main roster debut same show uh smackdown they debuted him as fucking butch i will i will at least give wwe credit for this they didn't completely insult our intelligence because they did say, or, or they had Seamus, they, they, they had it scripted for Seamus to say, you all know him by a different name, but we know him as Butch. So like playing up the fact that this is apparently a nickname that they've all called him for a long time. This is the name that he wants to go by on the main roster. It's still fucking stupid. We have to do the one name things, right? It's like... Okay, that is not a bad, terrible way because he made that may be a saving grace that maybe he could go back to Pete Dunn. But realistically, on the main roster, what are they going to have for him? He's not a you know he's a great worker, but he's not a big guy. So the Bruiser weight, we're not going to. That's the Pete Dunn I love, and that's mm -hmm. the Pete Dunn the fans want to see. Will we get to see it? I highly freaking doubt it. I just I I mean. Really, like, it, when it comes to NXT, especially with Vince's new vision with 2.0 and everything, what was there really that Pete Dunne could do at that point? 
Again, that he never really had a run with the NXT title. If his Triple H was still in charge, I could could have foresaw that happening for sure. Well, yeah, uh, but yeah. it's Vince's it's, it's Vince's it's, NXT it's now, Vince's so, exactly, it, so. It, you know you knew the writing was on the wall there. I think this is uh, Vince's. This is Vince's idea of, like, sink or swim. We're going to go ahead, put him up on our main roster, see how he projects, and then give it a couple of weeks, maybe after Mania. There's a good chance he'll be gone. Oh, yeah, more than likely. Yeah, I'll see him be out of the company within, you know, the year or so. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about Mania. I mean, we brought up Mania. Let's go ahead and jump into it because... You know, uh, SmackDown was, or Raw this past uh, Monday was in Jacksonville. And if ever there was a moment for Vince McMahon to have his gloating and be like, fuck you, AEW, um, it was going to be the debut of Cody on Raw in Jacksonville. They were, we didn't get it. We did not get it. And that shocked the shit out of me. I recorded Raw and actually, well, I say watched it, fast forward to 90% of it. <laughs> And waited to see Cody Rhodes come out because it was in Jacksonville, which was where they uh, show, which is where they had AEW headquarters, headquarters for the longest time because of the Daily Place with Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, we did not get Cody. You yeah. know, and and the interesting thing that you, you know, because all the rumor and innuendo that's floating around out there, it's you know, does Cody have a deal? Does he not have a deal? Are they still trying to iron it out? Are they still trying, you know, whatever? We don't know, and it's kind of interesting that Cody's very been very mum about it. He's also played up and teased fans with, you know, like, oh, I got a big announcement, and it's about his dog. Or, you know, just different things yeah. like that, like keeping the fans on a rope, keeping them guessing. But, I mean, it's WWE, to their credit, they did tease, they did throw some teasers out there with Cody. Yeah. You know, with uh, Corey Graves making uh, comments when uh, Seth Rollins's chances of hosting a show at Mania went out the window. Um, because that was like the spoiler alert. That was the main event of well, Raw. Okay, so was, the whole thing of Raw was like Seth Rollins and uh, Kevin Owens get into a fight and is like, hey man, I want to be the one that introduces Stone Cold. He goes, why don't we? And then, you know, Sonya Deville comes out, well, y'all can have a match. And the winner is the one who will get to confront all at Mania. So, KO obviously wins, thank God. And then Corey Graves was like, well... They also alluded to the fact before this that, like, because of the tag team match they had, we were supposed to fight for the tag team titles at Mania. That got squashed. They lost last week. So, behind the scenes, the announcer was like, uh, Seth, you don't have an opponent for Mania. So, when he lost the match to Kevin Owens, Corey Graves is like, oh, well, you know, that means Seth Rollins' dreams have been dashed. And this is starting to become a nightmare. Well, you had Dash and Cody Rhodes, and you have the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes. So, come on, man. Dropping all those little hints or whatever. But, I mean, it really is interesting to see how it, it could, does Cody debut at Mania? Do they hold it off until the Raw after Mania? Because they know, like, that traditionally was when you had a lot of the big surprise debuts was the night after Mania. I know with Mania now being a two-night affair, it's kind of killed that buzz a little bit. I think but, it makes more sense because yeah. of there's no more pay-per-views. The fact that you're doing these premium live events now and the fact that the Mania itself is the attraction. Mm -hmm. If Seth just kind of comes out in the ring and he's like, screw this, damn it, I want to have a match. I've, I'm Seth freaking Rollins. And then all of a sudden, Cody Rhodes appears. I'd be okay with that. That would be a real big surprise to the live crowd in Dallas that night. 
Can we can we just talk about for a second how piss poor a lot of the match building? Dude, they're not for... really fucking good matches on well, this well, card. But dude. but just like it used to be like with Mania, you'd have a lot of these hot feuds going into the mm-hmm. the event, and it's like these people are wrestling at Mania for a reason. Yeah, you know, and it just feels like how a lot of these matches have just kind of come together over the course of the last couple of weeks. It's just been like. Eh. What are, what are you doing for Mania? Oh, okay, let's go wrestle. Like there, there's no there's no passion behind a lot of these feuds, quote unquote. There's no logistical reasoning behind it. Well, like it's, okay, so you got SmackDown, you got the SmackDown title, you got the Usos versus the Viking Raiders, and like they Viking Raiders have been owed a tag team title shot, which feels like months now. They should have had them for months, and they never got the opportunity. But they keep making them look like goobers. Exactly. And then for, on a smack on a raw side, you have RK Bro versus the Street Profits. I kind of get that. Again, two tag team matches. I'm like, eh, I'm glad the tag team titles are getting, but they just feel the, they're just they feel like filler at this point and getting guys on cards. And then you had the women's SmackDown Championship, which is going to be a three way match. So you have Queen uh, Vega, Selena Vega. You have Carmella versus um, Liv Morgan, Rhea Ripley. And Sasha Banks and Naomi, so it's going to be a triple threat tag team title for the women's match, which is fine. And then what? Um, I I don't know about the United States belt or the Intercontinental Champion. By the way, Ricochet is the well, Intercontinental Championship. You're gonna you're gonna have Ricochet and Damian Priest wrestling at WrestleMania. So what do you do? You have them wrestle in a match on on Raw. Yeah. Like leading up to again, it, it's like why should I care about their match at Mania? I mean, I know it'll be a decent one. But you're giving it to me on free TV two weeks before the fucking match. And then you have event. these fucking celebrity matches. So you got Johnny Knoxville and Sami Zayn. Nobody gives a... Look, I don't give a fuck about that. I guess it's mania. You have the celebrity By flair. the way, Sami Zayn having like a one and a half week reign with the fucking I see Intercontinental belt. belt. Yeah. <laughs> and then... I know, dude. And then you have Logan Paul and The Miz versus Dominic and Rey Mysterio. I guess this Logan Paul's YouTube channel, I know he's got 20-something million uh, subscribers. Does that really give you that much bigger of a push for Peacock Network to, to have him come out and wrestle? I know he also had a training match against on Showtime against Floyd Mayweather. Like, nobody really cares. I'm Tell sorry. you're wrong. You know how many people actually buy his pay-per-views for his fucking boxing? A hundred thousand. Him and his brother? I think the last one was like 600,000 for his brother, Jake. But both of them... They, they, they come out. They, I mean, 23 they million fo- followers is nothing to sneeze at. He makes millions of dollars a year. I'll give the Logan, the, he, the Paul brothers people that. people just tuning in, buying Peacock, just for that weekend, for that month, just to, to see him. People buy him. Yeah, that's where the younger market comes in, and they probably do. I'm just thinking, you know, just me, I'm like, eh, I don't give a fuck. But, well, like, when they were teasing the potential that Mrs. Partner would have been Cody... Like, granted, you probably want to push Cody more as a single star for his debut. Mm-hmm. But even then, like, you know, Miz is saying all this stuff in Saudi Arabia, and I'm like, ooh, okay, so is that how they're going to debut Cody? And then to find out the next night it's Logan Paul, it's like, uh... You get more, yeah. Okay. I mean, granted, it, it's not it's not for me, but then again, you know, mania is for everybody. Exactly. So, you know, I'm not going to yuck other people's yums. It's just not for me. That's why well, there's three celebrity matches. That's why. For I, for I was show, okay uh, with one celebrity match. What, what's the third one? You have two. You had the Logan Paul and you had Johnny Knoxville. McAfee and Austin. <laughs> oh, thank you. McAfee yeah. and Austin Theory. Yes, thank you, Ramsey. I forgot about that one. So, 
That one I do want to see. <laughs> I know. I do. And you know what? We'll, we'll go back to SmackDown for a second because, dude, McAfee going off on Austin Theory, that was nice. Yeah. I mean, granted, some of the some of the jumps off the, the, the announce table may have been a bit excessive, but, I mean, mm. everything else looked crisp and clean. Uh, very curious to see. I'm curious to see which way they go. Now, mind you, Pat McAfee has never wrestled on the main roster. Austin Theory needs the win, but... They're going to forget about the black and gold losses for McAfee. But still, the fact that McAfee, Pat McAfee gets a WrestleMania match is pretty sweet. Yeah. So. I got one that I know they haven't... There's no rumors. I haven't heard anything. Mm-hmm. But I just I just see it. It's probably going to happen. Ricochet versus uh, uh, Braun Breaker. Well, Braun Breaker is going to be facing uh, Dolph Ziggler at TakeOver. I'm... Um, yeah, they're the morning take over. before, it's not take over. or it's not take over now. It's something else. Something else. Oh, yeah, whatever. But the NXT event that's going to take place before night one of Mania. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that night two. Well, you have Finn Balor, U.S. Championship. You have Ricochet, your IC Championship. Damian Priest. They're going to do something with those belts down the road. Uh, CBS is reporting their predictions is going to be. Uh, uh, Shit, Finn Balor versus Damian Priest. Yeah, I, but but you got Rick Shea with the IC belt. Who do you put him with? I think that might be your best bet because they are going to try to push him. Nah, I think Braun Breaker will make his debut later. I'll be some shocked on that one, but that would be crazy surprise. And then also uh, we can't we can't we talked about it earlier. You know the return of Stone Cold. You know. Mm-hmm. That is intriguing to see what actually happens. Is it just going to be a brawl, an unsanctioned match? From what I, from what I understand, Austin's wanting to come to this thing with a match. And apparently there's been some back and forth with him and Vince and that they're not necessarily seeing eye to eye on how this whole thing's going to play out. But I think Austin's coming into this with the mentality it's going to be a match. And in all honesty, I want it to be a match. I mean, like, I see... It's going to be a shoot. I don't fucking have. I, I mean, look. It a match. Uh, look, it needs to lead to a match. It needs to lead to something because, I, again, I don't think he comes spitting that hot fire about how his lasting memory of Mania is getting pinned by The Rock 1, 2, 3 at 19, and that's been eating his craw for so long. Like, I mean, just the fact that I rewatched the, uh, the interview because they, they showed it literally. That's what opened up Monday Night Raw, aside from the sign of, uh, but we'll get to that later. But they uh, basically made, he made it seem that he's going to. Uh, you know, open up a can of whoop ass and made it seem like he's gonna have a match. And then he did say it could be a brawl, a match, whatever. So, like I said, we saw The Rock versus Eric Rowan was technically a match, even though it only lasted five seconds. Hit him with the rock bottom and bam, one, two, three. I hope it's not that. I hope they brawl and Austin just beats the living every living piss out of him. You gotta, you gotta put over Kevin Owens a little bit. I would like for him to, but I'm worried that. They I'm, might not, I'm not be, talking about him actually putting him over, but I'm talking about you gotta put him over. Yeah, let him have some offense. Sell his move. Sell him that he's a legit competitor. I would like to see that from Austin. Yeah. Let K. Evan Owens get a couple of hits in. Uh, obviously, can't do too much stuff with Austin because of the injuries, but you don't need. You can still tell a story and not have to do those big bumps. Kevin, I mean, Kevin can work safe when needed. I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I think he'd take care of. I think he's gonna do a crazy bump though. Kevin Owens will. No, I, I know yeah. he will. Yeah, he will. Yeah, that I like to see, especially at Mania. So really, yeah. the Edge and AJ Styles match is the only really match that really worth the while. That's the to me, yeah. That's that's that is the one that's gonna be the show stealer, 
And then, like I said, also, to, to me, at least what I want to tune in to see, I want to see Austin and Kevin Owens. Um, the, the the title matches, just, just like everything else about this mania is just very... If it were, uh, are, are, are we missing the Matt Riddle versus Randy Orton match? See, I was surprised they didn't pull the trigger on that because there's maybe maybe at they Mania pull the they, at Mania? they I think at Mania they may. I think if the Street Profits win, probably Randy Orton would be the one that turns heel. I'd be shocked. I if think it was there's him. more interest there if it's if it's Riddle that turns heel because especially the angle that they did on Raw with like Randy Orton being the one to plan the championship celebration, being uh, the one to kind of embrace. You know, he's like, I don't work well with others, but I like working with you, like all that crap. Like, but wouldn't it be a big payoff for WrestleMania, not WrestleMania backlash? Yeah, you know, it. It just again to me, like when I think of the showcase of the Immortals, quote unquote, mm-hmm. it's like I think of matches that you can only see at Mania. Thank you. And a lot of these matches, they don't do that anymore. I wish it's, they did. It, it, it's much more like this could be a fucking. This could be a fucking um, judgment day or a fucking yeah no I agree you know, that was the beauty of capital punishment or what whatever stupid lesser pay per view that that that's a lot of these matches have that feel like fucking Drew McIntyre is supposed to be fighting um uh, Barry Happy Bar- Corbin Bar- yeah Happy Corbin and like okay oh uh, like who wants to see that not me nobody that you give that away on, on SmackDown. Okay, and I love Drew McIntyre, but like that's not a WrestleMania match worthy match to me. Mm-hmm. I know it puts both guys on the card. I get that. I don't want to see it. Well, it's more so we have these matches just to get people on cards, yeah. and it's not these matches that actually have hype and value behind Thank you. them. When they used to do that, when they would actually give you a Mania match that was worthy of WrestleMania, they stopped doing that years ago. Now they they gave me hope. When for uh, WrestleMania thirty, God, the one in uh, that came back to New Orleans in two thousand eight, thirty four, thirty four, where they had a six, basically like a six month period of like Shinsuke and AJ. I had hope. I was like, that's something we want to see. You're building it up to Mania. That is a WrestleMania match, and you're kind of doing that with Edge and AJ, but that's the only match that I see that has a build up worthy of WrestleMania. That's, that's the only one. But even then that was still kind of I mean, recently happened. Lesnar Lesnar and Reigns has had that build. But still it's it's also a match that we've seen thank you several thousand times before. Now and the fact that the roles are reversed and those two guys are truly that is a mania main event. I, I hate to say that based on the the like the status of both guys in the company. Button heads I don't see anybody else filling that spot currently. Mm-mm. But yes, we've seen it enough. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's like to me that's not a that to me personally, that's not selling mania to me. It's like is that a mania caliber match? Yeah, but is that going to make me want to buy mania? Now, if no. they were doing pay-per-view still, they would have to up their game and start com- they would they would force them to up their game to buy, have pay-per-view sales. Now and then it's on the Peacock network. They don't really give a shit about that. It's like it's, all, right. it's just all content. Yeah, you exactly. Fill it with content. Thank you. Yeah. But it's just sad that mania has kind of come to that. No, I agree, hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it, it was one of those things that it used to be. Oh shit, man! We've got so many great matches on this card, but we also have a fucking eight-hour pay-per-view. We need to stretch it out to a two-night thing. And now that I feel like it's a two-night thing, 
Now it's just we got to put shit on there to fill two nights. It's it has, do, do you see, like, the difference in that booking dynamic? And then the thing about that that is good and bad was, like, for WrestleMania 34, I was like, motherfucker, this should have been two nights because we were there for seven hours. But again, you had a lot of good quality matches. Taking out the whole fucking... Pretty sure it doesn't count. Well, no, taking out the whole fucking Braun Strowman and the fucking oh, kid. Nikolai or Nicholas. Nicholas, yes. Yeah, right. winning the fucking tag belts. Take that stupid shit out of the equation. Oh, he just made me angry. Yeah, that's right. But, I mean, you still had a lot of good matches. Like, fuck that opening match. The, the opening triple threat for the Intercontinental. matches of that card, that ma that mania was on its way to being an all-time great mania. You had the triple threat match, Icy match, Seth Rollins, Miz, Finn Balor. Then you had Charlotte versus Asuka, and it pissed me off. That was a great match. Probably the best match on the card. They fucking put over Charlotte. Uh, Oscar also undefeated streak pissed me off but again the match itself great match hated the ending and then you had the mixed tag team match I might be missing one of the match but the Ronda and Kurt Angle match versus that was a hell yeah. of a match yeah and uh, everything after I said everything after AJ and Shinsuke which that to me didn't land I knew as it wasn't going to deliver because of the size of the ring you can't do the shit they did in New Japan and I think AJ had a little bit of a knee injury at the time yeah but like everything from that match on it just kind of was on a slow down yeah. down hundred percent yeah but um I was gonna say I mean we we've kind of rambled on a little bit about. Uh, a little bit about right. mania. And well, let's get and to it. Let's yeah. Let's get to the main event news story and oh god, man, this is heartbreaking. I mean, like, look, really, th this is the biggest story, but it's one of those things that, like, if you lead off with this, then nothing else really fucking matters after that. And I felt like this is a story that we should kind of talk about last because I mean, really, we need to. We need to let this just go organically, and we need to, you know, have an opportunity to give kind of our thoughts and, and everything on it. But go ahead, TNK. I'll let you. Uh... <sighs> Scott Hall, two-time WWE Hall of Famer, passed away yesterday on March 14th. And on Friday, he went in for hip surgery. He had a blood clot, and it ended up resulting in three heart attacks. They put him on life support. And, you know, Kevin Nash sent out a tweet. I need to look at the tweet real quick because it was just so goddamn powerful. It, I almost teary, got teary-eyed, man. Like, they're saying the family's going to take him off life support, and from there you kind of knew it was going to Well, happen. yeah, like, just basically he's all life support. They're waiting for the family to gather together to then take him off of life support. He, um, they took him off life support. He lasted for about four hours. And, uh, yeah, man, he uh, tragically... Yeah, it's the old wrestling term that everybody used, you know, fortunately didn't kick out, man. So, um, you know, two-time W Hall of Famer, NWO, Razor Ramon, Scott Hall, no longer with us. And, um, man, God, that is such a shame and travesty because you think of what could have been with Scott Hall is ultimately the sad part of the story with him. He did have redemption. Me and Rams are talking about this on the way here. Yeah. Uh, DDP, he ended up giving him another, we did the math, about another 10 years out of his life. Yeah. Um. You know, uh, just how many opportunities he had and with his demons. You know, to me, when we talked about the greatest wrestlers to never hold a world title, Scott Hall, you said, is if not your one, your two. Mm -hmm. um, just, my God, I the NWO, man, the first guy to show up 
the outsider. Yeah, the, the the guy to kick off the the real Monday Night Wars. I mean, granted, yeah, you know, Nitro had been a thing for months before that, but it was like once Scott Hall turned up on that Nitro. Yeah. Was, uh, what was it like? End of it May. Was, it was May, I think, twenty fourth, nineteen ninety six. I might have the date wrong, but it was at the end of it was like middle or end of May. Yeah. But I mean, like as soon as he showed up on WCW TV, you're like, whoa, what the fuck's going on? Because he was in street clothes, came out of the crowd. Fucking Canadian tuxedo. That's <laughs> well, right. Canadian but tuxedo. But he made it look good, man, okay? Yeah. He was that cool. And he just, you know, people, it woke the it woke the industry up. Because you didn't know what was going on. Again, the internet was still kind of in its baby phases. I didn't have the internet. I talked about this. I was like, oh my God, what's Razor Ramon doing on um, WCW? What the hell? And he's not dressed up. He's wearing street clothes. He came out the crowd. Is there really a war gonna happen? You want a you war? war? We'll give you a war, like, dude, like, j- just, you know, you can you can sit there and talk about his his WWF days as the bad guy, as Razor Ramon, just the dude. As soon as he debuted with those vignettes and the mean streets of Miami. You know, doing the whole Scarface character. I was going to say that for later. I loved it. Well, like, you go from that, um, you go to WCW with the NWO and just the the whole, it was so cool to be bad. It's like, these are the guys that are trying to destroy the WCW, that are trying (laughs) to end this, you know, thing that we love, but... You can't help but love the guy because he's just so freaking cool. Okay, so the thing about like Scott Hall, Razor Ramon was that like technically maybe the Four Horsemen might have been like the cool bad guys, but for me it was Razor Ramon, the bad guy. Okay, yeah. his promo work, those old vignettes, I still go back and watch them. Just he was cool. He did the whole Scarface thing, just um. You know, pushing people into the fountain and all this. He's like, huh? you don't know who I am? You're sending me a bill? Do you know who I am? And just, like, throws the table and all that. Like, it was fun. It was corny, but it was all... He made it cool. Yeah. Machismo. Um, you know, Scott Hall... You just think... Intercontinental Champions, he was one of the greatest for me, in my mind, when he won the tournament. At the Shawn, uh, Shawn Michaels had to relinquish the belt. Dude, well, you bring up Sean, and we're talking about the Intercontinental Belt. Let, let's talk about, you know, in today's modern age, when we think of a ladder match, you know, that particular match is not as flashy as, like, a lot of the shit that we see nowadays. But if you want to talk about a match that you could put up there with, like, top three best ladder matches ever... I mean, you got to talk about those tumbles with freaking Shawn Michaels, the ladder matches. I mean, WrestleMania 10. Well, it goes to show that, you Scott Hall's ability to tell a story and behind the scenes working with that because he was so creative. People don't realize that. Hey, what can we do with this ladder? You know, it, go, it went to both men. Shawn did the acrobatics, but I think Scott might have, you know, had a big input in outlining the story of the match itself. It was the probably the first time I don't I can't quote this for sure I need to look this up and I should have it was the first time I recall Dave Meltzer giving a WWF match a five star match it was that innovative it, just the things they did together and it takes two to tango Sean took most of the bumps but still raised Scott took a hell of a couple of bumps as well mm-hmm. and Scott could work when he wanted to um, but yeah I mean that match was just awesome one of the top if not it started the whole indie 
craze, if you really think about it, those type of matches, ladder match, was from that match. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that for the longest time was a standard bearer of what a ladder match should be. Yeah. You know, and, and granted, like I said, we've, we've had all the, the crazy gimmicks that have come up, you know, like Money in the Bank or, you know, like the Brass Ring uh, in AEW, you know, whatever. Or Face of the Revolution. You have, the, match. You have your TLC like, matches, you have the Brass Ring, you have Money in the Bank, all ladder matches. What sparked the ladder match craze? What, what, what was the blueprint? Yeah. What what was the the catalyst that kind of like really laid it all out and be like, hey, you judge all other ladder matches by what we've done here. And it's that that's our WrestleMania. And the fact that you can go back and watch it today and it still stands the test. It still of time. holds up. And that's why you say you could easily make the argument it's one of the if not the best, it's one of the top three ladder matches of all time. And um but I also want to talk a little bit about Scott outside of the ring mm-hmm. because yes he had his demons and yes you know like there there there's that whole element and what could have been had he not succumbed to his demons for a good stretch of his career but even when he was going through all of that the man was very giving to a lot of up and coming wrestlers like i just looking at like a local guy Luke Hawks talking about you know his interactions with Scott Hall dating back like 15 years ago to when they first met and like you know he was still an up and coming wrestler and Scott taking him under his wing um you know they the first night that he was out with Scott Hall they went out to this really nice restaurant that Luke couldn't afford because you know he he's an indie guy and he's yeah, trying to like come up in the ranks and so you know but Scott takes him to a nice restaurant that in Luke was like, I knew I just had to go because I couldn't pass up this opportunity to pick his brain. And they end up having a great conversation, a great meal. Without even asking or anything like that, Scott just takes care of the bill. And then, you know, basically they spent the entire weekend together. And everywhere they went, Scott paid for it, you know. And Luke felt bad doing it. And Luke, you know, we keep trying to, like, throw something up. And Scott would be like, no, man, like, look. This is what veterans are supposed to do. We're supposed to take you young guys out under our wing. We're supposed to show you how it's done. You know how you pay me back? Years from now, when you're a top guy, you pay it forward to the next person. And there are so many different stories oh, from dude, other I'll, wrestlers. I'll tell you a story right now that a lot of people might not know or forget about. Dude, he can make the argument AWA with Kurt Henning. When Kurt Henning tried to get a singles push, he did a tag team with Scott Hall. They started working out together because Kenny never really hit the gym. They kind of got over from there, and I think it really helped pave the way for Kurt Henning to get that singles push with the AWA Championship, which ultimately led to him being signed by WWE because of somebody like Scott Hall. Um, yeah, just how giving he was outside of the ring. The whole uh, Crow Sting character, man. Mm-hmm. That was Scott Hall's idea, really. He was like, hey, man, it'd be cool if you did this. And it gave it reinvented Sting's career. Uh, with one of the greatest storytelling matchups to a match outside of the match itself. But, it, you know, just you don't really hear that much about it. I didn't know that story about Luke Hawks with yeah, Scott Hall. But, I mean, you've, you, you have other wrestlers that have come out and said similar things. That, like, any time that he would get together with young wrestlers, he would pay their way. And, again, it, you know, you sit there and tell them the same thing. When you make it big and when you get to that level, you, you do the same thing. The Rock guys, recently but. just told a story about how he went to Scott Hall when he first uh, came to WWF, like, when he was still, I like, guess, territorial. He went to Scott himself 
before he left and just told him how much he influenced him on his career and just paid, you know, and he said Scott could have been a better guy, yeah, so just stories like that are like, wow, you, I wish more of that would have been portrayed about the man himself. I feel that it wasn't spoken enough about him. You, I mean, it, and it is really sad because I know that there was like a, a time when, you know, things weren't the greatest with his son Cody. Yeah. But, you know, then when, you know, he started to get his life together, you know, going to the uh, accountability house with, you know, Jake, Jake. And, and with DDP, you know, and, and, and again, kudos to fucking DDP for helping him get clean and, and get his shit together. You know, but like the fact that it gave him a second lease on life with his son, the fact that he was able to go on the road more with his son and help him with his wrestling career and help him advance, you know, like it, it just, it sucks because, you know, I mean, granted he had a lot of his health problems and of course like this all occurred with him going for another hip replacement, you know, but you think like with him getting healthier and with him getting extra mobility, I'm not necessarily saying that we could have seen more of him in the ring, but we could have seen maybe more of him on TV, more of him con- contributing maybe in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, that was the thing. Like, you I know, know like, I wish he would have been more of a creative guy, but his dependability with his past, it, they, you know, I, I understand why they didn't, but I wish yeah. they could have used more of his creative, and if he would have had his life together, well, like, well, better, like a little e- bit better. Even, like, for instance, you look at, like, what Jake, Jake the Snake's doing in AEW. I was gonna say, he like, would have been great for AEW. Like, what William Regal or, or, yeah. or Tully Blanchard, a lot of these other, like, old school names are doing as more of, like, a managerial father figure yeah. type of deal with a lot of these wrestlers. I would have loved to see a Scott Hall get a chance to kind of run around and play in that sandbox doing a similar thing with some of the younger guys, you know, and, and it just sucks that we won't get that opportunity to see that, you know? Um, no, I mean, yeah, I know like Kevin Nash and Scott Hall did kind of, when they went to WCW, changed the, the way wrestlers got paid. Um, you know, I know a lot, maybe the promoters and bookers don't like hearing that, but that, you know, in a sense helped wrestlers, Today they still feel those effects, guaranteed money essentially. I mean, does. I mean, look, you know, you, those were guys that knew their worth, and as soon as they popped up in WCW, you saw what it did to the ratings. Now, you know, so you mean, say that might be to the detriment of the company, but at the same time, it did. I think it when they the, when they got creative control, yeah, and and when they had the the creative clause in their contract, where kind of like the Hogan the Hogan clause, where he's like, making more money. Well, guess what? I get to make more money type stuff. Yeah. Well, like so. that or the you know that doesn't work for me, bro. We're not doing that. Yeah. You know, but and that that you could sit ultimately, there. Ultimately, I do want to touch on the fact that when they went to w, WCW, just how much that changed the industry and brought the Monday Night Wars and brought wrestling to probably the height of its popularity in the late '90s. Well, without 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 those two defections, without Nash and Hall moving over to WCW, mm-hmm. we don't get an Attitude Era. You wouldn't know. I mean, granted, you could say the natural course of things, you know, we might have gotten some version of a different WWE product, but that that move of those two guys over to the other promotion, we'll see, it's, it's, and, and, and again, just WWE getting its ass kicked in the ratings for 83 weeks, you know, that forced WWE to do that about face and to go in a completely different direction. Oh, yeah. 
you know? So... And also, one good thing they did do at the same time I feel bad for the wrestlers that had these gimmicks was that it forced the wrestlers who had those hokey gimmicks from, like, the mid-90s to be like, I don't want to go up against these guys. Even though they're the bad guys, they're fucking cool. Like, I'm going to look like a schmo with my gimmick going up against these guys. So it kind of got out of the wackiness phase of, like, Dungeon and Doom. Well, well, well yeah, but it was, it was also the fact that they were portraying their, their real selves. Even though yeah. Scott Hall was very much a Razor Ramon mm-hmm. until WWE filed the trademark lawsuits and then yeah. he had to kind of tone it down a bit. But, I mean, the whole, you know... That, 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 even the even the razor, the way he talked and everything like that, that's still still Scott razor. Hall. Yeah, Scott Hall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, so, and real. it's 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 more the matter of you know it kind of forced a lot of these promotions to go away from the overly hokey gimmicky characters and, and that I do allow like. people just to be a version of themselves, maybe dialed up to eleven. Exactly. Yes. But you know, it allowed more of your true character to really shine out. Yeah, I mean the the biggest knock was I wish I would have loved to have seen him, possibly get a uh, a world title reign. But he might in the grand scheme of things, he really didn't need it. Just the impact of what he did for the company cemented his legacy. One of the true all time greats in wrestling, and uh, I know I'm rambling. I because I'm just I'm heartbroken. I mean, it, it's, it's a gut punch. It, oh, yeah. it, it's a major gut punch. It sucks, but I mean... For me, I guess it hits hard because like he was the exact same age as my father. And the fact that my dad's had multiple hip surgeries and he just had the hip surgery that with the blood clot, that kind of hit hard for me. And I was just like, man, I met the guy once. Super cool dude. You just feel bad. That's all. Yeah, I mean, any... Like, really, any interactions... Um, I mean, like, I've, I, I can recall, like, two interactions that I've had uh, with Scott Hall. Like, one at, a, one at a WrestleCon and then another just, like, as a kid at Nitro, you know, in the crowds and everything like that. And, I mean, they, they were just good experiences overall. Yeah. Like, I can't be like, oh, that dude was a dick, you know I mean? No, he was just a very nice guy. Um, I also have memories of my mom having the hots <laughs> for both him and Kevin Nash. And the fact that, like, whenever we went to a Nitro event, my mom asking me to buy his shirt for her of the Outsiders so that, you know, she could say, she could she could wear, you know, Hall and Nash on her chest. Like, they were cool, man. Let's be honest. They were just flat out cool. So, yeah, no, I mean, you know, um, granted, I know he got himself clean. I'm, I'm cracking open a, a cold one. And uh, pouring a little out for for Scott tonight, and you know, like we're we're gonna miss him, man. I mean, he, he, Grant, especially for our generation. I know, like the topic of uh, the tournament that we're gonna be doing uh, over the next two weeks, yeah, uh, is gonna be like greatest wrestler ever. And uh, I do believe Scott Hall is gonna make an appearance on this thing. But like, really. As far as, like, our generation, like, TNK and I, and I know Ramsey's a, a little bit older, so... Must, but... but, you know, like, still, though, like, for our generation, he was a huge presence. Oh, and, hell yeah, dude. You know, it definitely sucks losing a guy like that. 100%. I was going to say, Ramsey, uh, now that uh, now that you finished your chicken sandwich... Uh, you got uh, you got anything you want to contribute to uh, to the passing thing we may have missed about Scott Hall that you want to say? I know it was, it was ramble, but the fact is, is like God, he 
I know, I, part of me is just thinking, like, what could have been? But it was like, dude, he was just so fucking cool. When you think of the 90s, which was, like, our decade, he was the hot spot. The hot thing that revolutionized the sport, and that's what he'll be known for. Ultimately, the, oh, wait a minute, that's what we didn't fucking finish. 2014, WWE Hall of Fame, we were there. Oh, dude, the the fucking the closing the closing of his line speech. was one of the coolest fucking lines I've ever heard, and the fact that I was in the audience that night when he told it yes. because you saw how worked up he got beforehand he just because he was thinking about his life and now he's finally made it in the hall of fame him and jake the snake we got inducted that night because they just had the resurrection of shooting the documentary the resurrection of of, of uh jake the snake. snake and ddp was uh was the guy that brought him out for both and you saw that like, he's like man I, I fucked up but now I'm, I'm clean i'm back together he cuts that promo and my god when he said that line i mean everybody steals it and rightfully so. It's just one of the coolest lines ever, man. You know, uh, hard work pays off. Mm-hmm. Dreams come, come true. true. Bad times don't last. And then he looks right in the camera, pan dead serious. But bad, bad guys, guys do. do. The crowd went like, yeah! Like, I even stood up and I was like, that was awesome. That just... Oh, it was badass. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he hired a writer for that or if he maybe. That I, don't know. I don't well, know. I'd like to believe he did, but I that, choose to believe he did. That was <laughs> fucking cold blooded, and I wouldn't expect anything less from the bad guy. Perfect like, would end, dude. At the Hall of Fame speech, man. I was gonna say. Okay, now I'm finishing my sandwich. Okay, <laughs> and then you want to tag on? I'm not a cemental guy. I don't. Yeah. I don't like how you guys feel like about him. Uh, legend. Anything right. that like you thought, like, hey man, anything that you liked about him, or just what he did for the company, anything that might resonate with you at all? Anything? I think behind the scenes, I think he doesn't get his just do behind the scenes. Yeah. Because he was yeah. a great visionary, great booker. Um, he just he, he doesn't get that that uh. uh no, he doesn't get the recognition accolade, he deserves. Right? Accolades for that. But I mean, I mean. Probably most iconic, one of the most iconic moments in wrestling history. It always go down, change wrestling forever. Yeah, um, agree. I NWO. hate anybody that does, but I mean, it, I mean it, the guy. Look, you, we talked about that earlier. Lived to be sixty-three. He lived longer he than honestly. Well, I thought he should have been real. dead like in two thousand and three. Dude, let's honestly, honest. let's, yeah, I agree. Probably even. Maybe before that. Yeah. Well, I mean, because yeah. like realistically, if you want to talk about the the event that kind of created his demons, was that incident outside of the nightclub where you know he killed somebody. Whether I mean, you know, it wasn't intentional. But oh yeah, he did. thank you. I, and I that totally forgot and that, that kind of started him on the path of like drinking to cope with his yeah. trauma from that event. Yeah, and. It was more so, like I said, with DDP kind of forcing him to confront a lot of those issues that he was able to eventually move on. I don't know if he, I don't know, I don't know if he ever completely got over the event because, I mean, it's not like I was with him on a day-to-day basis. I don't know what he was really thinking behind the scenes or whatever, but that was a major linchpin in his ability to kind of cope about it the right way. Yeah. You know, he resorted to drugs and alcohol uh, in excess. 
to overcome that that incident. But I mean, it's so again, you you kind of sit there and you wonder what could have been like had that incident not happened. Um, you know, had alcohol and unreliability not derailed. Um, you know, times when he could have gotten a major push in WCW. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, um, yeah. I mean, it's just it it it's. It's ultimately as, as much as 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 much as he achieved, as, as much as he did achieve, it, it really is a big what could have been. Yeah, but that's what ultimately things, but. in my what I choose to see is what tells a, a better story. Is you have the highs, the lows. But I mean, no, look, I'm always going to remember him for the highs. Oh, yeah, me too, man. You know, like and I'm not, not going to raise Yeah, cool shit. And I'm gonna leave it. I'm ending on that. So. Yeah, I mean, really, like I said, there's no other news story that can trump that. Oh, and God, no. just kind of sharing our thoughts on the bad guy. And, you know, we we love him, we'll miss him. And, um, you know, wrestling wrestling uh, took, a, took a big loss on this one. But, but yeah. That's life, damn, man. I did not know this. He fought in ECW. Let's go. Yeah. I know you fought, fought in, in two house shows. Oh, I didn't know that. Damn. I know you fought in TNA briefly. He had like we had two stints in TNA. In two thousand, he fought uh, November tenth and November eleventh in two house shows in New York. Nope. Not, I just learned something that's not there. Nope. Didn't know that. Hmm. So. Huh. He's so. an ECW guy. Well, like I say, we're gonna we're gonna end it we're learning you something. Yeah, so. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. Um, that's all I got. Yes, same here. And, uh, yeah, we'll just wrap it up. Uh, for the Raging Rundown, this is Ravishing Randy. It's TNK. We got it. Oh, shit. Oh, rammed it. Out. Signing out. Mm.